so. Ready? Yes, I can hear you. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. You're very welcome. Thanks for asking me. I mean, it's not, you know, it's kind of funny because I I tell all my guests, I try to be as multicultural as I can because I don't see enough minorities on people's shows at all in the language learning community. Mm. So for me, it's like, you know, getting enough, you know, people from the black diaspora and Latina and Asian and people from the Middle East in particular. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Because, you know, that's that's just as important. And I mean, I could, I'm friends with a lot of people, you know, in Europe and whatnot. But at the same time, too, it's like, okay, well, you guys are interviewing each other. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the reasons. Um, with uh, with three friends, um, I started the Sisters Only Language Summit yeah. with. Were you able to come from Spanish con salsa and with Shahida from Black Girls Learn Languages and with LaDonna from Discover Language? We we put together the first uh, event for black women uh, in language in April was our first session. And then we had a second event in July and we put that together because we all felt the same as you feel that it's rare to go to language events and see speakers who are, you know, um, hear speakers who are of different backgrounds and especially black women. I mean, I can count on one hand where I've been to an event outside the sisters only, um, and, and heard black women speakers or if there was one on the lineup, like, Oh my gosh. Wow. What a shock. Um, so oh, it was yeah. really satisfying at the souls just to have back to back black women speakers. Right. It was a joy. Yeah, I I would have gone, but due to the fact that uh, funds, money issues, and then on top of that, like I was so busy with you know interviewing people, and I the same time that happened, I had another event that was. I was included in, so it was just like, and but I was happy to share that you guys were, you know, doing this because for the longest time, you know, I'm like, well, where are the other people? Yeah. Am I the only one? And in hindsight, no fault to anybody in the mainstream language learning community, but, you know, you kind of get tired of feeling like it's dominated number one by men mm-hmm. and it's dominated by white men and mm-hmm. that or you know uh, you either from Canada or you're either from the US or you're either from Europe mm-hmm. you know, yeah and 100% it, and it's just like I mean even the women it's like <laughs> there ain't that many Mm-hmm. You know, here we are. What, and it don't matter if you're white. It don't matter if you're black or Asian or, you know, Latina. It, it just, it's not, I kind of feel like we're, we're pushed aside. Mm-hmm. Period. Just with yeah, women yeah, in general. Yeah. And it, and it, it does become somewhat annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why it's important, you know, to start, start our own things. I really enjoyed the women in language events. Um, was it last week? Last week already. Yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I went to it. So that was really enjoyable. And, and yeah, I'm really excited about where Sisters Only Language Summer is going to go as well, because we've only had two events, but it's been such a joy and such a great way to connect. And really kind of the feedback we've had is that everyone's like, oh, this is the language event, you know, we've all been missing or all been wanting. Um, so it's really great. And we, we, we touch on a lot more related to language, whether that's travel or moving abroad or CVs. Um, it's really, it's really wonderful. Yeah, I, um, this year's Women in Language was my second one. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually, I'm going to be honest, like, I had to, I watched all of the talks just about. Mm-hmm. And evidently, for me, I covered it on my podcast show all four days for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of hits for each day. And, you know, people were liking the fact that I actually went, watched it, told how I felt about it in my own words. And then put it out there for people to know about um, even more because, you know, people just in general, you know, you have all these people that are doing all these great things, but you don't know anything about them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like in the woodwork somewhere. I mean, that's just like I was a part of um, Black Girls and Languages, but I wound up leaving mainly because I felt some of it was about language learning but then the rest of it was just like okay i really you know i understand that you have to have a safe space to speak mm-hmm. but, but for me some of it was depressing mm-hmm. and i was just like i there's enough going on in the world right now that's depressing and around me that's depressing and i mm. i had to separate myself from that so um i wound up actually leaving mm-hmm. um and I kind of felt like, you know, after a while, I can listen to what other people have to say on the topic of language learning. Mm-hmm. But I I kind of felt like I got something out of it, but it wasn't. I didn't feel I felt like my opinion did matter to some extent, but it wasn't. You know, people would post stuff and I would comment and then. You have people that would have, you know, remarks that weren't always something you accepted because you kind of felt like your opinion really, if it didn't kind of agree with the person who wrote it, mm-hmm. the statement, you, you know, it, to me, I just, I was like, uh, no, I got to go because I, I wasn't, I mean, I was giving support to people, but I just, I kind of felt like it kind of got off the track of language learning and then it was going in other places that maybe didn't need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me personally, um, you know, during this whole lockdown period of, 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 you know, the coronavirus, uh, you know, I wound up losing friends over the summer and one of my friends died from Corona. Mm, sorry to hear that. Thank you. And, you know, I mean, when you're dealing with people that you know personally that died and um, like I told someone, I said, my language learning journey, I'm kind of glad I have my show and I'm able to interview people and focus on, you know, languages, because if I didn't have that, 
I mentally speaking, I don't know where I would be. You yeah. Know, it, you know, I try to like still keep a positive, um, outlook and I, I am happy, you know, I've been able to do some really great things this summer that I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. And so I'm kind of glad that things did slow down a little bit because it gave the whole world time to reflect on themselves personally, professionally, where they wanted to go. Um, you know, and I was really surprised that people just kept going in the language learning community because, you know, people talk about mental health and how this whole thing is, you know, if you're an extrovert like me and you like being around people and you can't even hug anybody, mm. you know, it's like, oh, my, you know, <laughs> how do I deal with this? You know, mm-hmm. and, and um, for, for me personally, you know, when you're able to go to a conference online, and you're able to interact with people that enjoy the same things you do, um, you know, that's that's a plus. You know, regardless of what your demographic may be, but at the same time, I I still feel that you know um, a, a lot of people, especially in in our community, you know, some people kind of feel you know put off because they think that people in the mainstream don't understand where they're coming from, and I said, well, a lot of that has to do with you know individual to individual basis you know you're going to have really good people that really enjoy what it is that you're doing and they don't they they don't see color as a factor you see what i'm saying because they've traveled so much and they've been exposed to so many cultures and people that that's not who they are but then you have those people who you know if you lived underneath a rock all your life and you lived in a very secluded area you know you're going to have a different perception of someone that's disabled or someone that's of color or you know whatever the case is and i'm kind of glad that you know now that people are starting to wake up with the whole black lives matter situation i mean i wish they would have woken up a lot sooner than what they did but i'm glad that they're starting to realize you know we all exist it's not just you know one-sided Um, but I, while I was in the group, um, you know, I would say, well, wait a minute, if you want people to know who you are, you have to put yourself out there. You can't just go off of past experiences that happen because these people aren't them, you know, the people, whoever you associated with. But I will say that if you're in groups where it's like 40,000 people, 10, 15,000 people and they all look one, one demographic. Um, you start seeing things you didn't think you would see in regards to systemic racism. And, um, uh, I've left several groups because of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, to me, it's like, if you have a difference of opinion in regards to language learning, because everyone learns differently and I hear this all the time, but the reality is, is that until you walk into someone else's shoes, you don't really know how they learn or how they view the world either. So, you know, to assume that someone can travel a thousand miles or pay a thousand dollars to go to Japan or, or go this place or that place just for the airplane ticket, you're not even talking about food, travel, you know, transportation, 
Um, you're not talking about, you know, lodging accommodations. You're just talking about the plane ticket. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, I, I've made that apparent a because a lot of people have come up to me and said, I can't afford all that. Why can't they have more? Okay, if they're going to have it on in line, if they're going to have something in person, why can't they incorporate online too? Because then that way you'll still get a nice amount of people, you know, participating. They might not be able to be there physically, but they're still there. And I was kind of happy that I saw that when the polyglot conference people, the polyglot gathering people, um, you know, put put the polyglot gathering on in less than three weeks. I mean, that was amazing experience, you know, for the first time. I mean, it, it kind of, I guess, it forced people to think about, you know, okay, we might not be able to be there physically, but we can't be there digitally. And you can get more people to come because it is digital. And interact, which I, yeah. I, think is, I, I think that's a great thing because not everybody has a passport. Not everybody has mega bucks and not everyone can travel. And I can be personally honest um, when you're traveling just as an, you know, just as a woman. Um, and given my situation, me being disabled, I have a lot more to worry about than the average person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I got to worry about my guide dog. I got to worry about me. I got to worry about whatever country I'm going into. What are the disability rights in that country? What, you know, would I have, you know, the accommodations I would need, so forth and so on. You know, would they accept my guide dog, blah, blah, blah. What documentation I would need. You know, these types of things you have to think about ahead of time. It's just not, okay, let's get your your shots and all this. There's more to it than that. And, um, you know, I have to sit there and, and think about those things when I travel outside of the country. So, you know, I know that there would be certain places where I know I would never go unless I was in a group of people like a church group or, you know, it was it was some big conference or, you know, there was a group of us. Otherwise, I wouldn't be going alone. Just yeah. because those reasons and. I, I don't, I think sometimes people tend to, oh, well, you can come. No, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not like that. Um, you know, if I was to go to Langfest as a prime example, I would have 10 days in, in Montreal because my guide dog, you know, um, the paper that I would have would allow me to be out for, out of the country with him for 10 days. You know, so. You know, I have to look at all of that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I try to let people know, you know, in a humble way, this is, this is what people with disabilities, you know, if you have a guide dog, you have to deal with. If you, if you don't have a guide dog, you don't have to deal with that aspect of it. But if you do, you have to worry about those things. And you would still have to worry about the accommodations you would need if you go to some country that's not, that's not westernized yeah. you know and it doesn't have the same rights i mean and that's that's something that i you know i always tell people you know when you go to another country make sure you study the laws of that country the customs you know okay even find out how they dress because mm-hmm. how you dress is not the same as how they dress and you don't want to offend and that's the one thing i care about the most i'm not offending you with whatever it is I have on. 
mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, I, there have been Americans that have gone to certain places and they dressed completely American and not thinking about, oh, I should have brought a long dress or I should have brought something to cover my shoulders or I should, and no. And um, they just weren't thinking about that. And that caused some offense to some people. So, yeah. And then you, you're, you're not only representing yourself, you're representing your family, you're representing your country. <laughs> when you, when you go out of the country, you don't even know that. I mean, you don't realize it, but that's what you're doing. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, when I, when I'm studying a language, I, I look at all of that, you know, the history, the culture, you know, I kind of want to make sure that I'm kind of meshing inside of the environment. Mm-hmm. Even though I might not be there very long, you know, just because you don't want to go to the border of a country and then you don't have all your paperwork and then you got to turn back around and you got to refile and you got to redo it all over again and then come back. So, yeah. so yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've seen people where they've said that's happened to them, and uh, for me personally, it's like, I. Uh, I would try to plan as much ahead as I possibly could. I mean, I know that not everything's going to go smoothly, but I'd rather have 90% of it go smoothly instead of having the, you know, because that's, that's a lot of time that, you know, might have been wasted. But I'm curious to know, like, what, what made you want to, want to get into um, languages and, Using languages through music and well, um, I guess it started with my my work in music. My family's multilingual, and I grew up in a bunch of different countries, but I never really felt ownership or I never really felt I could express myself in another in another language until late in the day, relatively speaking um so It was really finding music I really enjoyed. I'd been taking French at school the whole, my whole school life. Um, But it wasn't until I discovered music I really enjoyed in it that I felt I could actually start to really learn it and start to really speak it. Well, that's awesome because I I did that with Spanish. Um, Even though I didn't like speaking Spanish. Mm-hmm. So I like singing in Spanish. I like dancing to it. I like eating the food, hanging out with the people. Mm-hmm. That was that was my big, huge high for Spanish. Yeah. Otherwise, I could care less about the rest of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I mean, here in the U.S., that those are the two languages they sit up there and like harp on is English and Spanish. And I said, well, there's 356 languages spoken in this country, not just English and Spanish. Mm-hmm. You know, but now it's because of everything that's going on over here. If you're speaking Mandarin, if you're speaking Arabic, if you're speaking Spanish, you know, people are freaking out and using cultural appropriation language and saying that you should speak only English. And I said, well, wait a minute. I thought we were trying to get away from, you know, authoritarianism and totalitarianism and, and anti-Semitic, um, you know, statements such as that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another way of stripping someone's identity and culture away from them because you want them to speak English. Now, 
if they choose to speak English, that's their right. If they choose not to speak English, you have no right to sit up there and criticize them because you're too lazy to learn their language. Mm-hmm. You know, we're yeah. the United States of America. It's not just English-speaking people. It's everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, mind you, being African-American, your ancestors being brought over here from Africa, you know, 200 and, well, technically 300 and, no, I was wrong. Wait. 401 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, I had to, re- I had to actually realize it's been that long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in chains that, that, you know, to be honest, like no other demographic of people have had that experience, but yet we're in the year 2020. And people are still thinking, like, you need to lose that, which you hold dear, and you need to adopt this. Mm-hmm. And why can't you have both? That's what I don't get. Yeah. You know, why do people have to still be ignorant? I mean, I, I know slavery has been over with for a while now, but I feel like people are still enslaved in their minds. Absolutely. You know, and that's the problem. It's like, okay, you want it your way or the highway, and it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I said, you know, language learning is like it bridges the gap between the cultural divide between you and whoever else you're speaking with. And I said, if you can learn even a little bit of that person's language, that's one step closer to being able to bridge the gap between the cultural divide. Mm-hmm. And and I believe in embracing all people, not just one particular group of people. Or, you know, um, it, to me, it's like okay, people love music, people love dancing, and they love art and sports and food and travel. Mm-hmm. And and why can't we why can't we embrace other people and how they they do things? You know, I think a lot of it is that, okay, I grew up in, I was born in 77, so I'm part of Generation X, underneath the boomers. And I always say, well, when the boomers do finally, like, you know, their generation kind of, like, isn't here anymore, my generation, the millennials, the Generation Z, and the generation after that are going to have to be able to live under the same global umbrella. Like I said to someone, I'm not just an African-American woman with Irish descent and, and uh, Mente tribe descent and Native American descent. I have, you know, I'm a woman of the world, you know. And they laughed at me because they couldn't believe I said that. And I was like, well, I'm sorry that you live underneath a rock all your life. It's not just a black and white thing. It's It's a global thing. You know, systemic racism just doesn't have to deal with, um, you know, the color of your skin. Yeah. So, and, and I think I think a, a lot of the older people they 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 just don't get it. Some of them do, but a lot of them don't. And I said, well, see, this is why we're so divided, because everybody wants it to be a certain way and never be that way again. You know. And for those people that didn't grow up in the 60s and the 70s and then the 50s, 40s, 30s, and 20s, you know, we we know about integration. 
you know, we know about a lot of other things that they didn't have that experience. You know, they lived through certain things, but they really didn't get to um, live it until they were adults. And so, you know, for me, like, I just, I walk around and I, you know, I hear certain people speak the language, like someone was speaking Spanish and then they lied and said they weren't speaking Spanish just because I guess they thought, you know, they were going to be persecuted for it. And I was in the grocery store and I'm like, oh no, I'm glad to hear someone else speaking something other than English, you know, and I was like, oh yeah, I speak Spanish, but I knew exactly what they were saying. Which, you know, I don't know if you've actually encountered that before, like, you know, being in line somewhere and hearing someone speak a language and you turn around and you start a conversation in the language and, you know, they're either happy about it or they're standoffish. Um, I don't think I have. Uh, I know I've definitely experienced people you know, pushing their kids to learn better English than their mother tongue, um, which I think is also a shame, though I understand maybe some of their reasons for feeling like they have to do so. I think it's the same reasoning that would make people deny that they're they're speaking a language if you ask them. And, and that's a shame that people feel that about their languages, that they have to be suppressed or traded in for a more dominant language like English. Oh, yeah, because here in the U.S., you know, it's funny, like, there's a lot of people in the Latino Americana community that don't speak, don't speak Spanish because their parents were first-generation immigrants from Latino Americana Comunidad y otro país. Or they were... Uh, you know, they they wanted their kids to be American, as much American as possible. And I was like, you know, if, if I had a second language and my family told me that I had to speak English, I would be forcing them to teach me that language because you never know how beneficial that's going to be for somebody later on down the road. And a lot of people I've come into contact with, they're like, oh, yeah, like I never learned my my heritage language until I was in college. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is so sad. I, but, you know, I mean, I see that here, even with Mandarin and Arabic and all this, they 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 won't. They feel like English is going to just get them by. And I said, well, wait a minute. What about if you go past the capital city? in a country that speaks a language that's your heritage language and they don't speak English outside of the capital city. You're going to be screwed. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, language learning in that way is so vitally important, especially if you can find um, hobbies or interests that will help you learn it, you know, in a more enjoyable manner, not just, I need to go to a university or I need to take a class or I need, you know, I mean, because honestly, I think that is the, I learned Spanish in community college, but I learned more about the grammar and how it was spoken more so than me speaking it. And it took me 
15 years, you know, to be able to speak. I mean, I understood a lot, mm-hmm. but, but a lot of it was negative responses I got from people in the Latino American community died mm-hmm. when I was living in California and elsewhere. And I realized I really didn't want to speak it. I just wanted to sing it and eat the food and, and party with people, you know, do the dances or whatever. I just, I liked it from the cultural aspect. And I said, well, that's fine. I can live with that. I mean, mm-hmm. I really wanted to know French, Italian, Russian, Arabic, Cantonese, Japanese, Thai, Turkish, but not in Swahili. Not, not, um, not so much Spanish in that region. I mean, because it's, it's so much force in, in our country here that, you know, the first thing I need to ask is, well, why not another language? Well, be, well, wait a minute. They they came here. They need to learn some basic English. We shouldn't be forced to learn someone's language just because they're high population rate. If you're going to live somewhere, you need to know the basics of the language so you'll be able to get by because the idea of it, you don't have an interpreter to interpret for you. And then that's hundreds of dollars you got to pay on the hour. Oh, no. It just doesn't, you see what I'm saying? It doesn't work like that. So that's that's probably my pet peeve about the whole thing here in the U.S. is that they, they want to force it on you. I was like, well, why don't you force something else like Arabic, Hindi, Mandarin, Portuguese, um, French, you know. Or I think least- Sweden, I mean, provides free language language tuition, but also in the language of where people are from. So with so there's a big Eritrean community in Sweden, and I believe that children have access to education in Tugunia as well, so they don't lose their mother tongue. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I learned a little bit of Sweden and some Norwegian over the summer. And, um, it, I mean, once you learn one of the languages – you kind of know the rest of them, like at least Danish and, and Norwegian because the vocabulary overlaps. Okay. But, um, it was, it was, it was an okay language. I, I had to be realistic that I was reviewing it for my show. So that's why I did it. But I don't know anybody that I can speak with in Swedish or Norwegian in, in my real life. So mm-hmm. I I picked the languages that I'm around constantly, which was like Cantonese, Thai, Japanese, Arabic, French, Russian, Italian, Dutch. Yeah. Okay. So, you you speak some Thai as well? A little bit. And I mean very little. <laughs> nice. I'm trying to learn Thai at the moment. Yeah. Um. I I interviewed um, Stu J. Raj last summer, which was uh, like a dream of mine anyway, because I loved, you know, the fact that he learned all these languages. And um, we became good friends on Facebook. And um, it, I actually went to a Thai restaurant here in Akron, and it took me 20 minutes. But I learned how to order some food in Thai in 20 right. minutes. And I, I went up in there in the restaurant. Before I even entered the doors, I mean, I entered the doors of the restaurant, but I saw Buddha, so I paid homage to Buddha. Then I went in and did not speak a lick of English. 
I just ordered my food. And then I was invited to a Buddhist temple to practice in my time. And it wasn't that much. Amazing. That's great. So I, I kind of do little small goals like that. Yeah. You know, because that keeps me motivated. And I also like food. Mm. So, Especially um, Thai food. Oh, my God, yes. Their Singapore noodles are amazing. But I have to do the, the lowest spicy level they have because I can't. It's like their food is really spicy. But it's yeah. really good, though. I love their tea, too. Their love tea. their what? Their tea. Their tea, yes. Thai tea is great. Yeah, and they, they, they kind of offset their their teas and their drinks have to be really sweet because of the fact that their food is so spicy. But I, yeah, and um, but I love Thai food, and I'm thinking about where I want to go. Like I, I need to actually go to a Thai restaurant or a Japanese restaurant, not one where they fix everything, Korean, Vietnamese, Chinese food, Thai, all in one. I can't do that. Yeah, because it doesn't taste the same. No, and, it's very different. Right, and very different and the, Right, and um, like I'll do my chicken teriyaki at an hibachi restaurant and I actually made hibachi from scratch um so minus the eggs because I, I don't eat eggs but you know personally I kind of feel that um you know people seem to think that you know you're supposed to um you're supposed to be uh fluent in whatever mm-hmm. language. And I said, well, wait a minute. What about if all you want to do is simple things that you would do in your your own life in your native language? So if you just want to go grocery shopping, you want to order food, you know, you want to go to a store and do some hair care products and speak in the language. Okay, you can have A1, A2. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's more of the language that you knew prior to learning it, which was zero. Mm-hmm. You know, but but there's so many, you know, like I I know someone else that likes listening to music. Um, now I mean I will listen to a lot of Spanish music, and right now I'm listening to Hayfa Weeb, who's on Lebanon. Hayfa Weeb. Okay. Um, she's a, a Lebanese artist, and uh, I have all her all her albums on digital, and I I'll sit there and I'll play them in the morning when I'm getting myself together. Mm-hmm. And I'll do that. And then I'll listen to like Al Sajira Arabic and BBC Arabic on my Apple TV for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. I might not understand everything and my vocabulary might not be that high, but I'm getting myself accustomed to listening to natural speech. Mm-hmm. Spoken instead of slow speech. So, um, for me personally, um, I, I, I find music to be like a soothing, um, uh, element to my language learning because I, I I use the immersion method, mm-hmm. so I, everything's audio for me. Mm-hmm. So I mean, even if they don't have the audio track, I mean the audio track in Arabic, but they have the subtitles in Arabic, I'll put them on to some some movie that I've already watched in English. I don't know half a dozen times or more, and I'll just have voiceover read me the the uh, the subtitle in Arabic. And I'll get more out of that, you know, than not having any any type of Arabic in my head. Mm-hmm. Or I'll I'll go on Netflix 
And like right now, I'm addicted to El Heba. Oh yeah, I ate that up. Um, yeah. Wait, have you watched all the seasons? Because I just got finished watching season one. Um, I think I watched two. No, I think I don't think all of them are on Netflix. I think I watched two. Yeah, I watched one. I saw one. Like I just got finished. It took me a week to do it. Like mm-hmm. watch all thirty ups. But once I, because I had the English subtitles on. And once I finished watching it, I fell in love with the characters. Yeah. And, I mean, I love Jabal. Jabal was amazing. And Saka. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. He was just... I, but, but you know, you learn so much about their culture that way. Mm-hmm. You know, that they're very protective of the women that's in the family. And the, and the fam- they're all about the family. But I, I was like, I want to hear. I want to see more of this. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and that I tell my my listeners and my students that all the time. Find something that you enjoy doing in your 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 native language. Try to do the same thing in your target language. For you sure. Know, just because it'll be so much more interesting. Okay, nobody learns from a grammar book. No one learns from a textbook. No one speaks like that in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, find books that you enjoy. Find music and TV and, and, and podcasts you enjoy on subject matters. Learn about those subject matters. Watch mm-hmm. documentaries. You know, whatever you can do to get yourself, you know, surrounded with the language. You don't necessarily need to travel to the country. If you mm-hmm. can afford to, that's a good thing. But right now, nobody can really afford to go anywhere given the situation worldwide. That's so, true. so, you know. I mean, I know people in, in Europe, oh, I can't wait to go back to this place. I was like, do you realize we're in the middle of a daggone pandemic? Mm. You know, it's and people complain, I got to wear a mask. I would rather wear a mask and some gloves when I go outside than not to be safe in, at all. Like, mm. you know, people here alone, like 200,000 people died. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I still don't understand why people aren't taking this seriously. Like, is it because no one has died that you know personally? Like, one person dying, I don't care if I know them or not, I just still feel sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this is just not something that I would play around with. And yeah. I've made a few comments to people about that. I was like, really think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because you only got one life, and... I don't want to hear, oh, by the way, this person dropped dead because, you know, and, yeah, that would suck. I mean, yes, when it's your time to go, it's your time to go, and I understand that part, but you kind of want to be safe than sorry, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I, you know, a lot of people are afraid to talk about it. I'm like, dude, we're living in the 21st century where there is a, situation that's going on that is not in anyone's control they still haven't found a vaccine for it and if you have to social distance if you have to wear gloves if you have to carry hand sanitizer if you have to have a mask on while you're outside fine you're protecting yourself and other people mm-hmm. you know and i mean you can still do things just be careful when you do them that's mm-hmm. all and wash your hands you know there's nothing wrong with that but, I mean, it doesn't matter what country you go to. It's it's not going away any country. And, yeah. you know, everybody's like, well, I can't wait for stuff to get back to normal. Honey, we've, there is no new, there is no back to normal. It's, this is the new norm. Like, we're probably going to have this for a while. 
and we're just going to have to adjust and try to live our lives the best way we know how. It might be a little bit claustrophobic right now, but I'd rather be safe than sorry. Mm -hmm. You know, and the good thing is, is, you know, with the Internet, you you still get to communicate with people. You might not be able to give them a hug, but you can still communicate. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's a good thing. Even in the language learning community, I still see people, you know, having some positivity about what's going on. You mm-hmm. know, and, and I think that's a great thing because right now we're living in a very dark time. And, you know, I, I guess with languages in general, you know, I mean, it gives me some sense of strength to know that, you know, there are other people that kind of feel the same way, you know, Thank God I have something to focus on because otherwise I will be going nuts, you know, given the state of affairs. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was it's definitely my favorite part of the week when I think back in May I started taking a lot more language lessons. Um, mm-hmm. So I started taking Thai Tigrinya, which I've been taking for a while, but with the, the new teacher, Arabic with the new teacher, um, Thai. Yeah, I just found three really wonderful, wonderful teachers, Muna Agazit and Pimi. Mm-hmm. And um, I really value the, the time I have with them each week. It's, it's empowering, like you say, and it's a very, very welcome distraction to what's going on. And oh, yeah. It, it's a... Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful way to spend an hour. Yeah, I actually dabbled in nine different languages from, like, April till like, last month. Mm-hmm. I was reviewing them for the show, but I, I realized I learned a lot in a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And, like, I learned some Irish for, like, two and a half months because I found out I, I had a quarter Irish in my bloodline. And then I interviewed the lady, uh, Patricia uh, McOwen from um, allaboutirish.com. And she also created the uh, Michelle Thomas Irish course. Mm -hmm. And I used that and reviewed it and everything. And that went well. And then I I did uh, Swedish and Norwegian at the same time in like less than a week. And. And um, then I did the Korean course and the Mandarin Foundation course, along with um, Intermediate um, Egyptian Arabic and Vocabulary Builder and Modern Standard Arabic Foundation course as well. So by the time I was done, my brain was fried. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I took a break for the month of um, September. Mm-hmm. Mainly because Women in Language was coming up. Um, I had gotten invited to be on the International Podcast um, Day um, next week to talk about my show mm-hmm. and and how I um, created my show and everything and how people can learn languages using my method. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I, I pretty much just use an immersion method. I don't really do anything like this out the ordinary. A, a lot of audio material, mm-hmm. but but. Um, you know, because I'm doing marketing advertising for Michelle Thomas method and I have another year with them. Um, they extended my contract. So, you know, I'm going to be reviewing the rest of the courses 
even though I don't speak, I'm not, you know, trying to speak the languages, you know, I'm still going to review them. And, um, you know, people have bought them and, um, I'm also, um, going to be speaking at this year's Polyglot Conference global online event mm-hmm. next month. And Amazing. Yeah. So for me, like, that was like a dream come true because I always wanted to speak at the Polyglot Conference. I mean, and that's why I said I'm kind of glad that everything got to be a screeching hot for a little while so people can understand, oh, you can have a conference online and you don't have to spend tons of money and everybody can partake in it, you know, who's interested mm-hmm. and and you can network and make new friends. And, you know, I mean, that's the big plus for me personally, you know, to get my story out there, but then at the same time to impact people, you know, in language learning, because, you know, yeah, I'm a minority, I'm visually impaired. I'm, you know, I help people with their languages. You know, I have a theater film background, mm-hmm. TFL certification and business English and English for young learners. But at the same time too, it's like, you know, I kind of feel like you're never too old to learn anything regardless mm-hmm. of what the subject matter is. And, you know, I, I've fallen in love with, like, the languages that I uh, have dabbled in. But mm-hmm. I also have fallen in love with the fact that I've been able to make new friends and people that are, um, you know, accepting of me as a human being, not, you know, because I have a visual impairment. But, um, you know, when you can find people that have the same interest as you, you know, across cultural and racial divide that that says something like you know i if if people can be this mindful and understanding about this type of subject or other subject matter mm-hmm. then why can't we be like that in you know, every every other facet of our lives well i definitely think life would be better if everybody tried to learn at least one other language i think oh, that yeah. would definitely help us out Speaking of, I have to teach a language very, very shortly. I have a Portuguese class, so I'm not sure if there was anything in particular you wanted to, to ask that I haven't answered okay. or... Um, um, let me think. Do you, do you plan on um, either teaching more languages or learning other languages or creating other events? Um, I'm definitely looking forward to planning the next Sisters Only Language Summit with Shahida, Tamara and Madonna. Um, I've been invited to take part in something fun for the Polyglot Conference with Michelle Thomas um, as well. So that should be fun. I'm looking forward to that. It's already October this week. I can't believe it. And learning-wise, I really would like to be conversational in, I think I have a list of about 12, and I'm varying degrees on my way. Some I haven't started yet, but um, I'm studying, like I mentioned, Tigrinya, Thai, and Arabic. And once I'm a bit further along, I'd like to start studying Amharic and Swahili. Um, I've never studied Mandarin, but I'd like to. And I'd like to brush up on some languages 
that I can function in, but not much more than that. So Turkish, um, Turkish, I'd like to improve. So yeah, I'm always happiest when I'm when I'm learning or teaching a language, especially through music. Um, I'm really excited about starting a partnership with an arts and cultural center in Brussels, focusing on African languages. So I'm going to be developing a lot more resources for African languages in collaboration with different um, artists and educators with uh, Beaux-Arts, this arts and cultural center. And yesterday I had a really great call with Akko Books, which is they're the they they aim to be the Netflix of of audiobooks in Africa with an amazing lady Emma Dadson and it's based in Accra in Ghana and uh, I'm really excited to work with her on podcasts of all kinds of things language or music related but also with a special focus on African languages. Oh, that's awesome! Because right now I'm I'm teaching myself um, Swahili because mm-hmm. that's one of my heritage languages, believe it or not, because I have like 30% um, Bandu tribe in me. So I decided to learn Swahili, but I've always been fascinated with Africa ever since I was little in Asia, the Middle East, Russia, Italy, and France because of being introduced to those, you know, those cultures from a young age. And so um, my mother was really big on Africa and Asia for some reason. I have no idea why. But, um, I mean, that really sparked me wanting to learn Swahili. So um, I do know a couple of words in Swahili. But, um, yeah, I I find that to be fascinating. I, But I do try to be somewhat realistic because of where I'm living at. Like, <laughs> I might have to find me someone to speak Swahili with. Um, <laughs> um, you know, online as opposed to in person because that language isn't spoken as much. Now, Somali is, which is really interesting. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I, there are people from all over in my, in the town I live in, in Ohio. And, um, it, but like I said, Asia, the Arab world, um, Eastern Europe, um, Latin America in particular, um, a lot of people are living Akron from, from those countries. So yeah. And, um, and then certain parts of Africa where they speak French, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of Hindi, a little bit of Urdu. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So yeah, but right now our language center was torn down and they were supposed to move it somewhere else. But I don't. Um, I think after the whole situation with uh, what's going on as far as um, people getting deported back to wherever country they're from if they're not here legally and all this, um, you know, um, it never came to fruition. I don't think and. Um, it was a great place because, you know, people were able to learn English. They were able to, you know, get like citizenship and, you know, your basic services mm-hmm. provided and, and, you know, translators for written documents and interpreters for, you know, so 
and yeah, and I kind of miss it because I used to volunteer there, and um, yeah, and now that COVID's hit, you know, it's kind of hard to, I don't get to interact with everybody, but I, I, I still get to interact with some of the Asian population and the Arab population, mm. so I, that's why I focus on Cantonese, a little bit of Thai, a little bit of Japanese, and Arabic at the moment. Yeah. So, oh, I want to ask you real quick. What dialects yeah. are you learning of Arabic? Um, well, I used to live in Jordan when I was a kid. I lived in Jordan for four years. Okay. So I'm trying to to stick close to to Jordanian Arabic. My teacher's from Syria, but she's okay. really great. She points whenever we're doing songs from different regions. She'll say, oh, this is an Egyptian accent, or this is, you know, in... Uh, in Levant, we say like this, but the Gulf would say this, etc., etc. So yeah, it's I, um, I'm trying to learn it for my my Jordanian past and friends and connections. But oh, cool. um, I really I, I like being exploring different accents on Netflix. I tried to watch a Kuwaiti film. I didn't understand a thing. Um, but yeah, just trying to to get. You know, I wonder if they speak, if that's Iraqi Arabic they're speaking. Is that who are speaking? Cool. People in Kuwait? Um, I'm not I, sure. Because I, I, I mean, so. I, I, it's because for some reason, I'm learning Levantine Arabic. So, uh, I learned a little bit of modern standard and some Egyptian, and I try not to get them mixed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, the vocabulary overlaps each other. So if you yeah. learn one dialect, you'll be able to understand what someone else is saying. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, that was kind of, but we have a large Lebanese population, people from Egypt, um, and there's people that, you know, are from Palestine mm-hmm. you know, that live here. So I, I do a lot of eating Middle Eastern food and cooking Middle Eastern food. Good plan. Yeah, yeah. So, so I enjoy it like a lot, like, that's my language. I call it my love language for the until like January 2022. Mm. So I want to try to get to a, a upper intermediate level in speaking. Yeah, yeah. And and so that's what I want to do. Um, I already speak English, Spanish, Russian, some French, Dutch, and Italian. Mm-hmm. I mean, but but passively, my passive knowledge of Dutch, French, and Italian is much higher. Mm-hmm. So, so like I can read books and stuff and watch the news and understand what's being said. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah. Aside from that, everything else is like beginner. So okay, well, well, that's so, the hardest uh, part. So once we're a beginner, we're a, a lot closer than anything before that. So oh yeah. So shukran that one. Yeah, shukran aktir. Um, sub. Oh wait, subdutka. I thought I said that right. I hope I said that. I don't know, but shukran aktir, mahsilame, and I'll see you in a few weeks at the Polygot conference. Yes, I will be there because I'm speaking actually. So yeah, you mentioned I'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye.